What's going on? It's CJ the Day Slayer from the Upgrade America Podcast 2.0, Episode 7. Uh, we appreciate everybody listening, watching on YouTube. Hope you enjoy the show. Peace. What's up, IG Live? Y'all come on in. All right. We're rolling. Peace, right. world. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Upgrade America broadcast. I'm Cameron Rock here with CJ, the Day Slayer. On this show, we're talking about Bitcoin, how it relates to current events, what it means to you, and a whole bunch of other topics as well. As always, thanks for tuning in. So blessed that you guys are, are listening to our program. Yo, CJ. What's on the on the radar? What's on your rundown today? How's how's life in Orlando, bro? Oh man, making it work. It's a nice Sunday. It's been beautiful weather down here in Florida, um, Central Florida, that is. And see, we got uh, man, Russia just switching the whole game up. You know, Bitcoin for oil and gas. We got Elon Musk. See what he's talking about. We're gonna talk about social media, how we've grown up with social media. We we meant to get to this last week, but we'll get to it this week. We want to talk about the role of independence in 2024. Like, I got a list discussing some interesting topics about what they expect out of uh, our next leaders. Um, a poll on f- fighting foreign invaders done across party lines like Democrats, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to talk a little wellness, a little sports, and whatever else we come up with. Cool. Sounds great. So, I'm going to lead it off with some Bitcoin news. Um, here we go. So Treasury Secretary Angela Yellen, she was a former critic of Bitcoin, but recently she acknowledged the benefits of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. This is huge news because it's an official endorsement from the U.S. government, particularly one in the field of finance. Hence, if the government trusts Bitcoin and sees its benefits, so will large institutions. What does this mean for you? Well, right now, Bitcoin is trading at $44,000 per coin. And once the federal government, the popular banks, and other institutions begin to scramble for this finite digital gold, the price of one Bitcoin will go from $44,000 to more likely over $4 million. Some of you may be thinking, that's a 9,000% gain. That's preposterous. While that may sound insane, Bitcoin has gone from, in the past five years, has gone, has experienced a 4,000% gain, meaning it jumped from $1,000 in 2017 to 44 racks present day. So you got to consider this was done without the participant of a federal government, the U.S. federal government and large institutions and corporations. You know, you got to consider that. Another industry that's getting big into Bitcoin is oil. Exxon Mobil and Caruso Energy announced that they are repurposing over 10 million cubic feet of methane gas per day by mining Bitcoin. What do they mean by that? So, there are flames that spit out from oil refineries. They shoot straight up into the air. And, like, it's excess... It's excess, it's like waste when you really think about it. They're not getting anything from shooting that 
that excess those flames out those chimneys so what they're doing they're taking that energy and they're mining bitcoin essentially when you think about bitcoin bitcoin has the ability to transmute energy into digital wealth now exxon mobile they're, they're capitalizing that so as you know as power is the purest form of currency it only makes sense they use this method to acquire the unnatural resource bitcoin speaking of gas and bitcoin russia is accepting bitcoin for oil and and gas for trades with quote-unquote friendly nations and by friendly nations we're talking about china we're talking about uh turkey and uh, there's a there's a whole list of, of nations that are participating with this so we spoke about this last week however russia had made an official statement like two days ago and more or less the chairman of state duma committee of energy pavel zavlny said the following we have been proposing to china for a long time to switch to settlements and national currencies for rubles and yuan said zavlny you can also trade bitcoin Trading oil for Bitcoin is great because transactions can be settled faster on the Lightning Network. This will allow utilities to get more competitive rates. Like if you know about the utility game, it's all about the prices on oil and gas that fluctuate. So mm-hmm. whoever can make those transactions the fastest, they can they have a competitive edge. So this will reflect in lower bills for the customers. You know, and right now we're experiencing an energy hike in America. So the United States needs to back our oil and our dollar with Bitcoin before Russia and China realize the benefits. Upgrade America. Over to you, CJ. <laughs> wow, that's a lot. Um, let's see, I'm thinking. I'm synthesizing all this real quick. It's a lot going on in the yeah. world. Yeah. So what do you think this means for America just in general? We'll speak on America. What do you think they're going to do? You think the pivot is coming? You think, what about uh, states? You think states are starting to get on this? You think it's going to have to happen local up, like a trickle up kind of thing? States have already gotten into it. Texas is a big player in Bitcoin mining. They have a lot of oil pockets down there. Maybe they're even doing some geothermal. I, I, I may have heard, but like the the states are already participating. It's when you have, but when you think about like pot and wheat, the states are already doing their own thing with that. But when mm-hmm. you have official endorsement from the feds, you know the feds are to perceive themselves over the states more institutions will get involved with, with bitcoin it's, it's like a layer of trust it's like the government saying yo we trust bitcoin so then other people are like yeah we will we'll trust it too how do you think this will change how americans invest like the average american not like trust fund i mean not investment funds and all that i'm talking about how the average american will invest um, the average American invests in what? Your 401k? These uh, these Roth IRAs? And like the biggest selling point for a 401k is like, yo, you'll get 8, 8% to 12% annual return on investment. And that used to be fine and dandy. But when you look at COVID, when you look at uh, the economy post-COVID, 
it's the inflation has was like over six seven percent it's like it wiped out the gains from your 401k so you more or less didn't make any money you're not gonna make any money with that so eight percent eight percent return on investment is nothing if inflation is nine percent if inflation is ten percent you're you're losing money so the american people are witnessing that and they need an investment instrument that will allow them to get like how do you say 300 percent annual returns if not four thousand in over five years Interesting. Well, let's pivot a little bit. We're not going to try to dwell on the war topic, but did find this interesting based on our past episodes. It was a poll done. Let me see who is this by uh, Daily Caller, some random website. So it's not a scholarly source. Just to throw that out there. And just to throw this out there as a disclaimer, most of the time we're just doing quick research not scholarly research so just so you guys know always do your own research scholarly there's a difference um let's see poll republicans and independents would defend america this is the headline if invaded dems say they would flee democrats said they would flee so this is written march 7th um it it did come from an official poll i don't know if i'm gonna butcher this quinnipack poll I, I know of this poll, it's official, it's been around for ages. Um, they're saying if they if we found ourselves in the same position as Ukrainians, will we fight, stay and fight for our home, abandon it, or flee the country? So 55% of respondents said in total they would stay and fight, while 38% said they would flee. I'm only guessing because there's more homeowners <laughs> in the Republican Party. Than there are Democrats. Let's be fair. A lot, a lot of your Democrats are in cities. Like, are you gonna stay and fight for your for your apartment? You gonna stay and fight for? Probably not. But if you got your home built up and like, I, this house has been in my generation for years. Like, yeah. you may want to hold. You may want to hold that down. That's but, an interesting way to look at. It. That's not a thing I was thinking about, but that makes a lot of sense actually. Um. When broken down by party affiliation, both Republicans and independents said they would stay and fight by the margins of 68% to 25% and 57% to 36%. Respect. I, I am in neither party. Yeah. I don't want to say I would flee. I would, if the invading force got in my way, like, yeah, I, I would fight. But at the same time, would I organize the resistance and overthrow? If it came to the point where, like, the United States military could not handle it, then, yeah, I'd get on my old guerrilla, guerrillas warfare and mm -hmm. deal with the opposition. What about you? I mean, it's just natural. It's in our DNA anyway. <laughs> so, I mean, being honest, like... Uh, we, I think so too. We got Defender baked into it, so I mean, take that for what it's worth. That's like, am, am I setting up a DFP on the house that I'm renting? Like, no. Nah, I'm probably gonna find somewhere else. Nah, you know. So I'm saying I, I would move, I would be bug out with the family. Yeah. Oh, invading force, you're setting up checkpoints to block my path? No. 
<laughs> gotta tend to that accordingly. Yeah. Um, hold on. It said Democrats are more likely to say they would flee. 52% said they would leave the country, while only 40% say they would stay to fight. And this is a poll of 1,374 American males, I mean, uh, American adults, I'm sorry, between March 4th and 6th. So I thought that was interesting. That's, well, here's the thing. I, I'm, I don't want to say I'm dismissing it because America is one of those nations, and I could be wrong, like paratroopers could fall, fly from, fall from the sky <laughs> tomorrow, but I feel America is hard to invade. Particularly because the insurgency that would that would spring from it with all the gun owners and stuff, mm-hmm. and you know the natural aquatic borders and, and, and whatnot. I mean, granted, you have Canada over there, but it's like I see an adversary would be focused more on getting America to do the dirty work themselves. Like, word, y'all got over three hundred over 300,000 guns in your country? No, you're not. <laughs> those are the those are, those are guns. There's, I'm sorry, there's, there's more guns than people in the country. So it's like, an invading force is like, we're not going to deal with that. They're going to have the American people with all those millions of guns go at each other. And then maybe an invasion force while the middle of Civil War too. An invading force would come in and like mop stuff up, but I, I don't I don't know. I guess could could you envision that like an invasion here? Well, Second Civil War, it wouldn't be like the first one. I think it'd be different. I don't know how. Oh, I lost I lost you, bro. Oh, did you? Okay, yeah, you're back right now. I, I don't know. Second Civil War would be would be interesting. I don't know how that would play out now in these times. It would just be guerrilla warfare. Yeah. uh, Guerrilla warfare, we we already talked about the role of the military and also the police. Like, the police are becoming more militant. The police are getting more uh, tanks and uh, Mm -hmm. fully automatic weapons. But it's just going to be a a, a broad span of counterterrorism. Yeah, um, I don't know, just weird stuff, but... What do you think about the, the Revolutionary War, though? It okay. wasn't a, oh, we're, we're lining up our ranks, we're right. No, it was guerrilla tactics. It was, essentially, it was terrorism. When they talk about sniping and harassing the enemy, it's not like a fair fight. It's like the enemies have his back, taking the piss, and guys will shoot at him. Like... Yeah. You caught them slipping. You take their 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 equipment, weapons, what have you, and it would be a dirty war like that. What I foresee: cyber, heck yeah, a lot of cyber. Yeah, it would be. While America has their hands tied with that, I would see some sort of adversary financing one particular side, most mm-hmm. likely. And then you know, it, 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 no one wants a piece of this direction. Also, shout out to the intelligence agencies. We appreciate yeah. you. We know you're listening. I hope y'all taking notes because y'all should already be on top of all this stuff we're talking about. Um, the other thing is, while we're in the political realm really quickly, um, me and Cam were talking about independent voters and independents and 
I'm not registered as party affiliated here personally. So, um, but I am it's always interested in independence because they're kind of like right in the middle, so to speak. And this is this article by Donald V. Watkins about independent voters must save American democracy in 2024. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna read these off real quick. It's like eight, a list of eight items real quick. I'll just write, I'll just read like the first line because it's, it's kind of a lot. Okay. Um, number one, we seek financial and economic security for working Americans. Number two, American-based international conglomerates must pay their fair share of taxes. We seek a drastic reduction in corporate welfare for oil, gas, electric, coal, agribusiness, and tobacco companies. We seek a federal balanced budget act. Mm. We must have tough but fair policing in our communities. I think that's yeah, I think that's policing. Um, let's see here. Number six, we seek a strong Department of Homeland Security and Department of Defense. Let's see the other thing. Number seven, we want American manufacturing restarted. And we must eliminate monarchy status for federal judges. I do like that. And it really sounds like an upgrade. We had that discussion. That's definitely an upgrade America uh, episode there. I think uh, just to, to, to go on with the federal judges, I do believe there's a Republican, a right-leaning judge that's health is in question. So, is it Clarence um, Thomas now? I believe, I thought he yes, said. yeah, it's going to butcher your name. Thank you. Yeah. If he sits, if he steps down, remember, a president gets to appoint them to life. That's, yeah. that's scary because we came very close, very, very close with the Supreme Court justice battle for this vaccine mandate and it came down to you know, a matter of votes. So yeah. if they have a left-leaning the left-leaning Supreme Court mm-hmm. and uh, things of that notion come 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 along again then uh, it, it could be pretty crazy. Me personally, I think they need to put some sort of amendment that there should be nothing forced upon the American people unless you're willing to, one, have some hold people accountable for any uh, adverse reactions and, and two some transparency on exactly what the heck is inside that thing well, as we explained in the other season the Patriot kind of obliterated all those freedoms so I mean if you start digging <laughs> you will see um, what's up Jackie on uh, IG live um, yeah I this list was like just basically our podcast. <laughs> Can you give me another line on that balance of the budget? Okay. So it said, this um, it said the federal government must learn to live within its means like most American families do. Right now, America is living well beyond its financial means as a government. And I, I would say the first thing we cut is uh, foreign aid. Mm. It's, like, no, it's like here I am 
we, we take care of other people's children and we're not taking care of our own. So, like, that'll be the first thing that I'll cut. It's like, oh, yeah, you, you got just printing it. What? How many billions was, was just sent to Ukraine? Uh, I forgot now. It was a lot. And they approved that pretty damn quickly, by the they way. Did. It's like this. It's like, yo, you want to send the world billions and billions? Buy the bit, print the money, buy Bitcoin, you know, have Google Cash, and then send them all of that. Send, not all of it, send them some of that. But this, uh, how we're, we're operating right now is unacceptable. Yeah, I thought it was an interesting list. Um, but yeah, it's pretty much stuff we've been talking about for the last, shit, three years, two years now. <laughs> Can you elaborate on the Defense and Homeland Security Initiative? Okay. Uh, it said, we should carry a big stick and use it to defend our foreign allies without hesitation or reservation. Right now, we're not respected by Russia, China, Iran, North Korea, and other rogue nations. These schoolyard bullies are having a field day tormenting our allies, particularly after the Taliban ran America out of Afghanistan in disgrace. Well, I won't agree with that last statement. That was disgraceful. And mm. it's like that lack of assertion is, is perceived as weakness and as being soft. So it's like, it's, it's almost like a power vacuum. Oh, no one's gonna stop. No one's gonna stop me. Like, of course, the, the cats. You know, what do they say when the cats away, the mouse will play? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, you know, I disagree with that whole thing anyway. I think that's a lot of the problem. It's because we're in everybody's shit, to be honest. But that's me. You already know how I feel about this. And I'm looking at, I was looking at the list, right, as I'm reading. Iran and North Korea, I'm sure we could flip if we really go in there and talk to them. We could, we probably can get the. I, you and I could do that, but the people who are in power right now, I don't know. You know, what are your thoughts on like Saudi Arabia? Ooh, that's so messy. Saudi Arabia is super messy because of the human rights violations, all that stuff they be doing. They're a good ally in the middle, and we know it's for the oil. That, that one's really messy. I don't know. That's that's a tough one. We would have to shore up our stuff before we went that route. We would have to go ahead and shore up our contingency plan before we went that route, cutting them off like that. Well, they're, they're the ones who are t- discussing cutting America off. Like oh, well, I mean, if that's the case. <laughs> they want to jump on that Russian uh, super pack with China, you know, and, and get into that. And it's like... I don't know. It's the whole geopolitical thing. It's, it's changing very quickly. Yes, it is, sir. Uh, what else we got? So we wanted to talk about wellness. Any uh, wellness tips you would like to give to the upgraders out here in these streets post-COVID or those who are still in COVID protocol? Um, yeah. If you're still like in COVID protocols, they're talking about, ooh, you little dummy. Get into that right now, but boxing. Invest in a boxing bag. I made one out of sand and a duffel bag and some plastic yeah. bottles because we upcycle, upgrade America. That's right. But like, it's like you're dealing with your mental health because you're hitting the bag, you're really 
releasing some, some stress. But you're at the same time, a three minute workout on a heavy bag, it'll get your heart rate up, it'll get you breathing, like, and I don't know, it's just a quick workout that you can get done in, 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 a, in a matter of minutes. Like, you don't need to work out for hours and hours on that. If you want to do it, you like to, do what you will. But seven minutes of exercise will go a long way. Um, read, you know, get out in nature. These are things that helped me during the pandemic, like the height of the pandemic. Read, get out in nature every day, breathe that fresh air. Um, eat your favorite foods, you know, like just little simple stuff, to be honest. Go see your friends, like go see them and hang out with them like me and Cam have done. Like, shit, what, during the pandemic, post-pandemic, before pandemic, we did it all, so. We didn't worry about that. I believe them schedule trip down to Florida, bro. Yeah. Um, yeah, reach out and talk to people. Absolutely. We're, we're social creatures. We got to have that. Uh, what else we got? Another advisory. So we had a tragic accident here in Orlando. One of the amusement park rides, the kid fell off of the ride. It's the Icon Park. It's like one of those things that dropped down. And I guess his harness wasn't right. He was a big kid. He died visiting from Missouri. It's unfortunate. Thoughts and prayers to the family. But I wanted to get some insight on working in an amusement park because I have when I was a teenager years ago. The biggest thing, I don't know what happened between him getting on it and securing him before the ride operated. There's definitely a disconnect somewhere. Or did he do something while he's, I'm not blaming him, but did something happen? Maybe he did, did a motion or something because he's a big kid. And I know a lot of these rides have weight and height requirements, right? And you should strictly follow those. Those are for ride operators. You should always follow those, no matter what. Somebody piss, whatever, whatever. But I remember my experiences, you do three checks. You make sure everybody's secure the first time. You let, well, you let everybody kind of secure themselves at first if they're able to do it. Then you walk around and you secure them. Then you look again before you start and operate the ride. So it's kind of like three checks before you even start operating the ride. And then while during the ride, you're supposed to be paying attention to make sure you don't see anything crazy. You got to listen out for anything, stuff like that. So I don't know what happened. There's clearly investigating. Um, it's just very unfortunate, but be safe in those amusement park rides. Don't play with them. I just went a few months ago and I was looking at the weight requirements and I'm like, eh, I don't know. Like, you know, I made sure it's extra tight because I'm, I know that life as far as ride operator, et cetera. I'm just saying everybody use extra caution. Even those around you that's not family, other ride participants, y'all check each other too. Like your folks. Yeah. yeah, you know, so I don't know. What are your thoughts? Um, like I'm glad I went through my skydiving phase, my roller coaster <laughs> phase, all that. Like I'm how I perceive roller coaster rides and all that stuff now is are they paying the, the operator enough to care enough to maintain and, and keep up on, on maintenance checks and, and whatnot? And more likely I'm thinking no. But like, what I'm seeing now is like a circulating is that the, the weight factor is how 
I don't want to say that the, whoever owns the ride is using as a defense, mm-hmm. but we're using that. So the the technological part of me is thinking, how what will this result in? Some sort of technology that's logging everyone's weight, mm-hmm. and some more advanced sensors that are ensuring that you know that equipment is locked, and then I can see it all coming up on a display like this row right here, like mm-hmm. row row three, seat two, what have you, red light because the sensor is not locked. Of course, you're gonna do your uh, a human eyes are gonna do the check, human hands are gonna do the check. But I can see more security being implemented, sorry, security technology being mm-hmm. implemented in there to ensure something like that doesn't happen again. Um, again, me personally, I wouldn't, I don't mind this. I don't mind those things. Yeah, I, the last time I rode, it was exhilarating and scary, not gonna lie, but it's, it kind of was a reminder why I don't do the rides anymore. It's, it's like, eh, I kind of done all that already. I don't see the need to really do it. So, what's up, Esco Bon Jovi and Mr. Sabri on IG Live. Appreciate y'all watching and listening. Peace, um, peace. What else we got here? Oh, so we're coming towards the end. We did want to talk about um, our life and social media. How has it changed us? Like how the ebbs and flows of social media for you um, so I got into social media during my space during Korea like the biggest thing about the military life is that you're always moving and you're always meeting people how many people would you did you think you met in your first year of the military oh man first year <laughs> well I went to a small base so I knew pretty much everybody. Damn. Maybe so BMT, people. basic military. Oh, training. okay. All that? Uh, yeah. Because they say an average person meets like 10,000 people in the life or something. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, so, like, and BMT alone, you're already mingling around. You think all the flights that are lined up. And, you know, yeah. you, you meet a lot of people and then you, maybe for a couple of weeks and then you got to keep moving, keep moving. And so I was finding it hard to keep track of friends and acquaintances so myspace was cool for that then i heard myspace was going away and that facebook was the newest thing mm-hmm. one day maybe that was in 2005 were you on facebook yeah i got on when did i get on facebook i think i got on facebook ooh, maybe 07 ish Maybe, because I remember, uh, shout out to Taylor and um, Songer, they put me on MySpace in Korea. Yeah, that's where I got Yeah. Space in Korea. So, um, damn. I also played with Black Planet for a while. Yeah, I remember Black Planet. <laughs> I think you may have put me on. One of, my, one of my buddies put me on Black Planet. Yeah, I remember Black Planet. Mejente, that was for Latinos, like their version of Black Planet. Um, man, it's been a journey. I know for me, MySpace, I think MySpace had the best formula, honestly. It wasn't too serious. You can do some coding, basically. Like, you do all your own stuff at your top favorite. Like, I think it had the best formula. And if nobody was stressing, I don't remember nobody beefing on MySpace like that. Like, I don't, I don't so. know. 
notes you mentioned. But it's like, I went from, I know you were really big on Twitter. And during yeah. the Upgrade America initial campaign, like, that was your weapon of choice. And I was like, nah, man, I'm going to run this thing from Instagram. And then I was on IG, boom, posting stuff on there. And I don't know what turned me, eventually turned me off from Instagram and also from Facebook, but I just deviated from that. And I only, I only use Twitter. That's what, that's, maybe I have a Reddit account, I'm not active on that, but I I use Twitter because I like the whole feed process. I like that it's like, yo, gravity is, is emphasized Mm -hmm. and, you know, you can get direct communication to a lot of people and various different fields. The fact that Donald Trump, the president of the United States, how effectively he used it, you know, like, that showed me the value of of Twitter. What do you think? Um, Yeah, I dabbled with Twitter back and forth. This is my second stint on Twitter. I used to be on, like, years ago, and I just always found it fascinating because of the conversations. I actually watch you and your threads with the Bitcoin and stuff like that, and I'm usually interacting with people on a a whole bunch of different topics, usually like just life stuff, like dating or whatever. And uh, for me, it's been interesting. Like Facebook got too much around the Donald Trump election cycle. I saw a lot of ugliness and just over it. I just deactivated my Facebook, just done. Between that and relationships I was in and stuff like that, because social media affects your relationships. People don't want to admit it, but it really does. Um, so I haven't been on Facebook like that, actively like that in years, since what, 2016? Granted, you know, Facebook bought WhatsApp and all these other things. I'm on Snapchat kind of here and there for like a couple people that use that, but I don't really use it. Um, I'm trying to think of the other IG I'm, I'm on. You know, I talk to certain people on there a lot, WhatsApp, and then you got Signal now. I kind of use that too. So yeah, that's it. Um, social media has definitely evolved. It It's so weird how it started out something novel to now it's so integrated in our lives now. I see you the know, transformation. It's a tool for, it's, it's a mouthpiece. Like Elon Musk, he, he put it so eloquently. Like it is the town square, you know, it's a town square in this digital age. And I'm paraphrasing, but um, his concern was that, like, as it is, as it serves as that town square, like, censorship on this platform is, um, it's becoming an issue. Now, he put out a poll, mm-hmm. and more or less it was saying, like, yo, do you think that the code should be open source? And of course, the majority of people said, yeah. And also, I think it was another question about, uh, you know, censorship and whatnot. It seems to be, uh, it's, he seems to be uh, in suggesting that he may buy or acquire Twitter or, you know, build build the Tesla version of it. I want to ask you this, like, what do you, how do you think a platform with free speech no uh, no censorship do you think it exists and how do you think it would it would work probably one that exists um 
maybe we don't know about, but I think initially the growing pains would be a little wild. And then I think it would come to a, a steady, I think it will be, I think it would go to normal. I think it'll be pretty refreshing. I think it'd be very combative and disruptive in the beginning, but I think it smooths out after people get used to it. You gotta think, it'll be jarring at first because we're so used to PC language now, let's be honest. Yes. So after you get over that initial shock, and then you see, okay, well, this is the norm for this app or this platform, it won't be so much as um, a problem, I think. I don't know, whoever does that correctly, I think they're gonna win. I think the problem would be, the biggest issue is like, yo, you don't want none of that child pedophiles and stuff on there. But like, um, freedom of speech, sure. Will neo-Nazis and and other haters and stuff, will they congregate on there and say and spew their nonsense? Most, most likely on it on a platform <clears throat> with no censorship. But what I think needs to develop is an algorithm where the people can censor themselves. Meaning, you don't want to see this, that, and the third. Click this setting. You don't want to see, hear this or whatever. Click this setting, and then your 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 feed will be filtered exclusively for you. We do it for news, so we're not put for people. And you could even do it so granularly to put in specific type of language and boom, you have the uncensored free speech revamped Twitter algorithm. That's an interesting concept. I know I've heard a stand-up comedian say, well, shit, put your driver's license on your profile. You don't have it public, but the company I have it. And if something was to go left in order to find your ass. Um, I propose that something similar, like, cool, you got Twitter, keep your freedom of speech, but I mentioned, like, how, one, I want blockchain voting. I want people to be able to vote from their phones. But in order to do this, you need something like a lot of authentication factors. First would be having that driver's license. I think there should be a government app where you log in like yo it's you've been authenticated you got that check mark we know who you are mm-hmm. like on there i mean from there yeah integrate something where you can vote from here integrate something where you can give direct feedback to the policy makers like mm-hmm. a, a real certified app like that you think people would participate well, we're going that way anyway. I know Florida is doing that with the digital ID. I told you, and I actually didn't mind it because um, it comes in handy. Like they have it filtered, as you were saying. So if the cops pull me over, it's going to show them the pertinent information that they need. Versus if, say, I go to, I don't know, flying somewhere, it's going to show them pertinent information that they need. So, I eat your vaccine passport. I am not particularly fond of the digital ID because it is an instrument that can be abused and ultimately they can store this thing on that microchip they want to put up your butt or in your brain. Shout out to Mario who, uh, you know, we discussed that nauseam about the the whole market beast cashless payment thing. Mm -hmm. It is, you can't fight technology, but that's where they seem to be trending towards. If they want to keep it on a device, cool. Again, I think there should be some sort of amendment 
where you're mandating putting some sort of device in people, i.e. microchips or what have you. Well, it sounds sci-fi, it sounds fantastic, mm-hmm. it, uh, it is in the imminent future, particularly well, if there's some sort of event, mm-hmm. a global catastrophic event where like, yeah, we need to do this to y'all for global security. Well, that's going back to what we've been saying on Upgrade America. We need a new Bill of Rights for AI and technology. Yes, indeed. So, U.S. government, you listening? <laughs> Congress, SCOTUS, all these folks, you listening? It's time. This is why you need millennials and under running the country at this point. Like, I'm sorry. This is what it is. It's, it's, it's going to sound ageist, but it's true. Two I mean- touch. It's time to radically change how do we run this country. And the thing is, it's better we do it voluntarily than have to, oh my God, WTF. We have some sort of catastrophic event and now we have to make rapid adjustments. Mm-hmm. Like, better to do this voluntarily than to do it by, uh, you know, by the force of some, some sort of event. But... Yeah, I think Elon Musk should, should definitely make a definitely make that Twitter now. Yeah, I'd be interested in a, a platform like that. I like what you said though. You can just change your settings, leave it all free, open, but change your settings to what you want to see. I think that's the best thing because pretty much my Twitter is curated to what I want to see for the most part. Like, how can you? How can you do it painlessly? No one wants to sit there and they're like, I don't want to see this, and I don't want to see that, I don't want to see this, you know, I'm sure it can be done, they got a lot of geniuses in in tech. Yeah. I think that's the best best approach to do it. And it's like, my question for Elon Musk, I guess, is like, cool, you got your own platform, you want to keep it free speech. He has his own objectives, and he's leaning a certain type of way. Mm-hmm. How do you resist the urge to like silence your opposition on your own platform? You know, it takes a lot of discipline, and you know, you can't applaud you. Maybe I think maybe if you're creating that platform, I would think it'll be more like a set it and forget it thing. What do you mean? Like you're setting it up. And then you're gonna go do what you normally do. You're not gonna stay focused on that thing. You're setting it up to put your name on it, your brand on it, but you're not gonna be on it like constantly. Maybe you'll pop in every now and then. My my scenario is that, let's say politicians or whatnot, little uh, Congress people or whatever are using that platform to impact his Mm -hmm. endeavors. I.e. like someone's tweeting up a storm and then they're like, yo, forget Tesla. They sound like they're clean, but if you're charging your, your EV with from coal, you're still polluting the planet. Like, if someone's using his platform to harm his endeavor, do you think? Mm-hmm. An individual, it would be very, it would be a conflict mm-hmm. of interest, you know, to not censor someone. So I suppose it would have to be decentralized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It can't be done. I don't Miss Coco Brown, what up? IG Live. Um, yeah, I think, I don't know. It's an interesting uh, experiment. It would, 
he seems like he's a pretty eccentric dude. So I can see him being able to do that. I think he would be able to be cool with that and keep it moving. Like, I don't see him, I don't know. He seems like that. I don't know. I don't follow him like that. So I could be saying we got a lot in common. But at the same time, yeah, I think it could use some new management. Mm-hmm. Um, what else we got? I think that was it, pretty much, right? Sports. Um, NBA playoffs are coming up. I'm excited. Uh, I think here in Orlando, we got the World Cup qualifier with U.S. and Panama. So if you're in the Central Florida area, I think it's downtown today. Um, I'm trying to think what else. That's it, man. Stay blessed. Stay up. Do what you do. It's Upgrade America 2.0. You already know what it is. Um, philosophical tip. I don't know. It's coming to me that, like... Everyone has their own problems, everyone has their own issues, and then I just thought, like, maybe we're all have the equivalent of problems and, and obstacles in our way, it's just manifesting in a different way, if that makes sense. Okay. Like, I'm trying to try. Like, we, we all got our obstacles in there, but yeah. I guess where I'm going with this is that we are all strong enough to overcome these, these obstacles. Like, mm. my, my equivalent of World War Three or whatever is these things in, in my life, but I know that, you know, most humans are, are we're, we're strong enough to get through these things, so just keep getting stronger, do buddy checks, like CJ said, and, you know, do your best to upgrade America. 2.0. You already know. <laughs> I know, you know. <laughs> That's it, I guess, until next week. You know it. Well, be blessed, everyone. Catch you on the next one. Peace. Peace. All right, IG Live.